<laughs> I finally got you, Mario. My lava pit has no platform suspended in space for you to use, and that means you've trapped. Darn it, Mario! How could you let yourself get caught by surprise like that? Bowser left that bridge up, and you fell for it! Now I'll have to let Toad take over the Mushroom Kingdom's government, and we all know how that went last time! I'm sorry, Princess! My eyes have been failing me! Because of that lava, just came out of nowhere, and I couldn't see the bottom of the pit! Now it's a hot time tonight! Oh, oh, mamma mia! Lord Bowser, I can't believe it! You finally got rid of Mario after he beat the crap out of you, what, a hundred times? What was that, minion? Uh, I, I mean, of course, that your destructive domination is definitely delivered, you devious dinosaur lordship. Well, crud, Luigi's off hiding in a corner somewhere, and we don't have anyone else who can stand up to the Koopa Horde. I think the Mushroom Kingdom's had it. Wait, what's that? Lord Bowser, isn't that an oscillation overthruster? But if it is an oscillation overthruster, that means... I got to you now, Bowser. I never knew that getting cured in lava made me go from a two dimensions to a eight. My good friend Buckle Banza, he helped me out, and now you have got to know where to go. Lord Bowser, I suggest you retreat. Mario is now evil, pure and simple, from the eighth dimension. <laughs> You're right, Minion. I don't have to win now, because wherever I go, there I am. On your swords, ready your spells. You're about to enter the heart of a dungeon filled with computer and console RPGs from way back when, right up through yesteryear. To get you through this maze that's dripping with danger, we've gathered the best men and women from RP Gamer to watch your back. Some of you have never entered this area before. You're in for quite a fight. For others, this return visit can only be described as an RPG backtrack. Here are the party leaders for this expedition, Phil Willis and Mike Minky. And welcome to RPG Backtrack number 57. It's -a me, Paper Mario. And to help talk about, what are we talking about? One, two, three, three Paper Mario games. Today we have, for a trio of games, we've got a trio of people. Though one of them is my good friend and co-host, Mr. Mike Minky. Don't move, he'll see you. Don't breathe, he'll hear you. Too late, you're dead! That's what I said. And... It's a day late. Coming back for her eighth visit on RPB Backtrack, I did count. It's Becky Cunningham. Only eight? Wow. No, I was just I messing guess... with you, I was just made that up. <laughs> I was going to say. And again, Minky likes to pick lots of old games from consoles that I've never played. But I shall greet you with my very favorite Mario quote. I'm the wiener! <laughs> That's for Mario Kart, not Mar Paper Mario, but you know. Oh my goodness gracious. <laughs> and back for her 152nd visit, Miss Cassandra Ramos! It's only seemed like that much because it's like my third time, yeah, third game in a row, I believe. Yeah. I'm going to be back this soon. Well, it's just so much fun, you just keep coming back over and over again. I'm not complaining. <laughs> there, uh, that's awesome, cool. You ready? Well, I, I hope you're ready to talk about some paper Mario, because I'm not much help here. <laughs> Little you're bit of help, help, not much. What about that, Mike? You're more help than I am. 
<laughs> I'm waiting for the I'll be I'll be waiting for the uh, 3DS release. <laughs> oh boy, oh boy, oh boy! So I'm gonna sit around and wait for a while while you guys listen to this awesome music from one of the Paper Mario games. We'll be right back. <laughs> going to start off today's discussion talking about the very first Paper Mario game. Paper Mario, of course, for the Nintendo 64. Is that the Nintendo 64? Wow. Wow, yeah, boy. I used to have... a few months before the GameCube was released, so... It I was just... about to say, I, I think the first thing that jumped out of me, I didn't even get to read it, because the first thing that jumped out of me is like, 2000, release date 2007? Serious? Uh, that might be the virtual console release. Yeah. Oh, 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 there it is. Oh, okay, all right, released it. Whew, February 5th, 2001. Okay, I feel better now. So, this was developed by Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo, released here in North America on February 5th, 2001, on the virtual console on J- July 16th, 2007. This is a single-player console RPG experience rated E for elastic, because they're kind of papery and they can stretch. No, I just, no, Okay. Most paper there. doesn't stretch in my experience. You're thinking of uh, rubber or could have been. Wouldn't it be? But think about how much more fun these games would be if it was called Rubber Band Mario. Awesome. Then they'd have to write entirely new puns for it, though. <laughs> so let's hand the microphone over to our good friend Miss Cassandra Ramos. <laughs> Go ahead, Cassandra. You go. I'll, I'll sit back and watch. Uh, which I guess going to the story, I guess. Yeah. So okay. So set up this. So so yeah. What's the story of Paper Mario? Because this is an RPG, right? Even though it's Mario, it's an RPG. It's like Mario RPG. Is this like yeah. a is this like a uh, the next step for you know from Super Mario RPG from the from the Super Nintendo? Story is something of a step back. If from what I can recall, it's been years since I played even though I played it a heck of a lot back uh, during, like, late middle school, early high school. But anyway, so, yeah. It's uh, a Mario game. Peach gets kidnapped by Bowser yet again. This time, though, he's got a artifact called the Star Rod, if memory serves me correct. He stole it from Star Haven, and a Star Rod grants him any wish he wants, just not any wish he wants. And so he uses it to take over, take control of Peach's castle. He uses it to make himself invincible. So when Mario attacks him, Bowser beats him to the pulp, into a pulp, and uh, basically kicks, kicks him off the um, out of Peach's castle, which is now floating on top of his flying castle, if I remember correctly. So Mario has to journey through the Mushroom Kingdom, get back the Star Spirits that uh, once protected the Star Rod, so that he can mm-hmm. the power to be able to defeat Bowser and counteract that Star Rod. How many star spirits are there? Uh, there are seven. So yeah, it's sort of kind of ah. like, like yes, a, just just like the seven stars of the first Mario RPG, as I recall. So, you can mm. like a remake, sort of, kind of, <laughs> and except they have personalities instead of just being like objects of power. They have their own names and such. Okay. Not very uh, 
very deep personalities. In fact, there aren't <laughs> terribly deep characters in the first game. But they're there. They're distinct. Does Mario talk at all in this? Not at all. Not okay. not uh, not in uh, you know the sense of you know in text or even verbally. There aren't any voice samples of any sort. In fact, it is the N sixty four voices were not standard equipment. True enough. I do remember the EGM review for this. It was the only N sixty four game of that month, and yet it got game of the month because it was just that good. Oh, I certainly enjoyed it. It's you know, especially as a kid. I the reason I played it like ten times over is because I didn't own many N sixty four games at the time. So it was either that or replay Pokemon Snap for like the umpteenth time. Why it's almost as if you're saying that for RP gamers, the N sixty four didn't have much to offer, but that couldn't be it. Indeed. Although at the time I didn't really know what an RPG was. So. I was about to say I had Quest sixty four. That was I mean, come on, man. <laughs> I mean, holy cow, that was like the new Zelda. <laughs> yeah, never mind if the system actually did have a couple of Zelda games. It did? Wow. Draft. And we are counting those as RPGs in some circles, so that almost doubles the N64's RPG library right there. Hmm. But we're kind of getting off track here. Yeah. So... Tell us a little bit about the about the gameplay itself. Are we talking just a straight up turn based RPG or what? Uh, it's mostly just uh, turn based. There's a bit of a difference. Like uh, early on in the game, you get the ability to do actions, uh, like time, like these sort of timed action things. Like if you uh, hold the button down a certain way, like to hold, like if Mario's about to uh, hold back a hammer, if you release it at a certain time, he can do more damage with his hammer. Or if you time the uh, A button just right, Mario can stomp on an enemy with extra damage. And there were some other slightly, he had different badges that did uh, different effects. Some raised his defense or his attacks. Some could pierce through enemies that had high defense, so they did normal damage. One of my favorites was the bump badge, where if you were in an area with a lot of weak enemies, Mario could just, you know, knock right into them and defeat them instantly. So he could just pick up all the money they dropped and not have to worry about getting to a battle. And he also had the power of the star spirits. As I said, they lend him certain special powers. Uh, one of my favorites was one that looked like a sailor. I can't remember his name, but he did. His, his, yeah, his move was called Chill Out, and he would lower the boss, like any enemy's um, attack power by five points. I think, and that was a, a very helpful against bosses. Yeah, as I recall about the combat system, it's straight uh, attack minus defense determines the damage you do, right? Yes. Something like that. <laughs> and yet most enemies have barely double-digit hit points. So that means you're not going to be doing a whole lot of damage, right? Yeah, pretty much. I mean, the most you ever... I think the most I've ever done was like uh, fifth, like maybe 15 and one in by doing a special move called multi-bounce, where you had to... Like, every time you timed it, Mario would keep bouncing on an enemy and do progressively more damage that way. But it obviously got harder to do the timing, and I could never do more than 15 damage. But that pretty much beat any regular enemy anyway. <laughs> sounds about right. Yeah. Uh, so, which also sounds like a move from Super Mario RPG, incidentally. So the battles had like, so they had like a time-based element, basically. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Well, that's pretty cool. I, I know that that, you know, that was kind of one of the draws for me when playing... Um, Jeez, what's the what's the one we play on the DS, Mike? Bowser stories and uh, Bowser, 
while there were part there's partners in time and Bowser's Inside Story, so there's two DS ones. Yeah. So no, that's pretty cool. Um And I think every Mario RPG thus far has included a timing element because Mario did not evolve originally as an RPG and keeping the action part of it has apparently been important for every developer and seeing as how it seems to have worked pretty well most of the time, I'm fine with that. Hmm, coolie. Well, let's uh, talk for a minute about the uh, visual style of the game. What... Uh, well, it's you know everything looks like paper basically. It's like it's two it's two D and uh, every the, all the characters look like paper. They're on a sort of a background that kind of looks like it might be made out of uh, cardboard boxes or some others are just flat as they are. And they're actually pretty good. I mean, I never did like the N64's you know blocky. Uh, 3D, so that was always. I also thought those graphics were neat. No, and I, you know, that that is something that I do remember and totally agree with you about. Uh, as I was just kind of saying before the uh, before we started recording, the PlayStation One era of 3D graphics, just in my opinion, it was just pushing the pushing a little bit too far because they look so blocky and ugly. And I mean, heaven forbid you try to actually look at them on a big screen TV today. But uh, but back in the day, man, games like Paper Mario and stuff were just like a dream. When I first saw the the screenshots for that and saw some of that in motion at a friend's house, just very very beautiful. I mean, I thought, especially for the time, it's just it's got a very neat artistic effect. The way everybody's kind of two D as well, kind of just especially when we first see it, it's like, oh wow, <laughs> this is really really cool. It's kind of like uh, it reminded me of Yoshi's Island. Uh, in a way, but definitely more refined, uh, sharper uh, images, I guess, or higher resolution. And then the three, even though it's not 3D, it kind of feels 3D-ish, even though they're 2D, if that makes any sense, because they do, you know, some effects from time to time, right? Yeah, because they, like, the characters, instead of just turning, you'll actually see them sort of flip around like you would, like if it's like a sheet of paper sort of turning this way and that way they want to turn around instead of sort of uh, shifting from one side to another. And like, if you turn down certain corners, you could sort of see uh, the 3Dness of like the, the world was largely 3D. Like, but like I said, sort of made like was made up of cardboard boxes and such. So that was a very neat effect of all the characters and foreground, you know, being uh, 2D, almost paper-like. So, what was your uh, what's your overall impression of the game? Did you have a lot of fun with it? Again, as a kid, loads of fun. I just, it was, again, it was the second RPG I played, maybe the third. Yeah, I think the third, because Pokemon Gold and uh, Silver had come out before then. Still didn't know it was an RPG, but it was just a heck of a lot of fun. It was very different from, you know, the uh, plat- the Mario platformers, because there was that, you know, bit of strategy during battle. There was exploring. There was talking to citizens. And they it's not as funny as, um, the, as the second game in the series or even uh, some of the Mario and Luigi games. But it definitely had Ed here. With, he said some very amusing things. Mario was accompanied by his partners. Oh, we didn't go into the partners. They to touch on those, right? Like, sure. Like, those are other main characters. Before. Yeah. So uh, Mario basically he found, I believe there were seven, or was there? I think it was seven. Um, what they call partners. Basically, these are his party members. Except he can only have one of them at a time, and the other six are presumably in hyperspace or something. And uh, there's uh, the first one he meets, Goombario. Mm-hmm. Uh, he's a Goomba, obviously. Uh, there's Cooper, the uh, Koopa. Uh, Parakari, the Paratroopa. Uh, Sushi, the Cheep Cheep. 
Watts, who kind of looks like a little sun. I, she's little spark, I think. Uh, who else was there? Oh, yeah, there was Bo, Bo the boo. Uh, she was pretty funny because she's sort of, uh, she's like she's like a noble woman. And she's she's supposed to laugh like, uh, she's got a no, what they call a noble woman's laugh. If you've ever seen the anime Slayer, it's sort of like that sort of out obnoxious laugh that she's got. And um, I miss, oh, yeah, Lucky Lester, Lucky too. And they all had their own unique abilities and helped a lot out during battle. Cool. So a lot of different uh, characters, it sounds like. Yeah, a little bit kind of like low in the personality department, like in the like death department. And actually, a lot of them didn't have much in the way of personality. Cooper, I don't remember much in the way of having one or sushi for that matter. But, you know, they were there. They were cool. And, okay, you know, sushi, a fish or something else? Yeah, the cheap cheap. Okay. <laughs> what a terrible name for a cheap cheap. <laughs> we're, uh, you know, after the game here, we're going to turn you into sushi. <laughs> no, I don't know. I, that, I, don't <laughs> I, I don't know. That's like calling your cow hamburger. Uh, I'm, not, I'm not sure that's... <laughs> it spelled it differently, but I'm pretty sure it was meant to be sushi. <laughs> it uh, might be better than sashimi, but that's not saying much. Well, actually, the funny thing, in, uh, in Paper Mario Thousand Year Door, there's an NPC named Shimi. Not Sashimi, but Shimi. And he's a cheap cheap as well. A chef, nonetheless. Hmm. That just gets into whole new levels of oddness, but... I know. This is Mario, which began with a guy who gets, who gets bigger by eating gigantic mushrooms, punches through ceilings, and likes to climb around in sewer pipes and jump on turtles. Exactly. Hmm. Cool. Um. Yeah, I should. I just like to say that from the screenshots I've seen, this has aged a lot better than so many of those 3D N64 games. Oh heck yeah! I haven't played it in a while, but it probably has. <laughs> Shoot. Well, um, and it, it was pretty well received, getting a 93% uh, on Metacritic. Uh, it's got an 88 on uh, game ranking, so a lot of critics uh, liked it well enough. Um, I think it sold something like ooh, over a quarter of a million copies in its first week alone in Japan. So, cool. Cool, cool, cool. Any other thoughts? Going once. Going twice. <laughs> and we are moving on to... What are we moving on? Super, super? So we go from regular Paper Mario to Super Paper Mario? Is that the way it works? No. Nope. Yeah. Is Paper it? Mario, the thousand-year door. Oh, oh, pay, oh, we got to go for thousand, thousand-year doors. Okay. Thousand, yep. thousand. Got to keep these things straight. It's so easy to lose track of them all. I think after regular Mario, it would come like... Anyway, Super Paper Mario... Not Super. <laughs> regular Paper Mario. The thousand-year door on your Nintendo GameCube system, which will work with your Wii. Um, so I still have this one, actually. And I, I played this one for a bit. Anyways, this is developed also by Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo... Released here in North America on October 11, 2004. This is also a single-player RPG experience. Uh, rated E for everybody. Rated 1E for itty-bitty tiny disc. Oh, wait, that's an I. Uh, it's a little disc, though. True. Yeah. All right. So, who wants to start talking about this one? I, I think we have an extra guest that's coming to join us. Okay. Well, keep talking. Okay. Just making sure you saw the message. 
Yeah, all I can say is that, yes, those GameCube discs are nice and small, and my gosh, they won't play on anything else, so Nintendo really got that copy protection down with the system. Well, computers used to use, I mean, I know my computers can still take little mini CD discs. It's just something that's not very well used. Every once in a while you go to a convention, they would hand out those little teeny tiny discs. It's scary to put those GameCube games in the Wii because you think it's going to, like, eat them. Yeah, it's going to slurp it all up. <laughs> CDs sticking in the Wii. Shoot. Well, welcome. Uh, we're welcoming our next contestant to the show. Uh, oh, no, wait. She's not here yet. <laughs> See, we got us all excited. Whew. All right. So while we wait for our surprise. Microphones don't just generate out of thin air. you got to go find them sometimes. I guess. you got to go jumping up the stairs and go looking for them. Hunt them down. Maybe they fold into a little piece of paper and you know, <laughs> fell behind a chair. I hate looking for microphones. Anyways, while we're waiting, have any of y'all played this one? Yes, I have played it. So why don't you tell us about the story of the Thousand Year Door? Oh boy. <laughs> my my memory is, is not the best. I should have looked it up to remind myself. But, um, well, uh, Peach gets kidnapped again, I'm pretty sure. <laughs> <laughs> Isn't she cute? Yeah, freaking Peach. I hate Peach. Um, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta admit, she never displays Stockholm Syndrome. She never gives in to the temptation to just say, Bowser, I'm sick of this. I'm gonna stay with you forever so that we don't have to go through this ever again. Well, there was that subplot in Super Mario Sunshine where Bowser Jr. suggests that Peach might be his mom, which is really gross. Hmm. Uh, I... Nope, not going there. Resolutely ignoring it. <laughs> hey, I didn't do it. Nintendo did. You're bringing right. up memories of the of the Super Mario Brothers movie, which I would rather not have right now. Hmm. Oh, I'm hearing a microphone. <laughs> Holy cow! We need an exorcism over in aisle five. <laughs> <laughs> Welcome to the show, Miss Anna Marie Newfeld. How are you doing? I'm good. Give me a minute. I still don't have my headset in, and I'm busy scaring the cat. Ah. <laughs> and I'm desperately trying to get to Wikipedia to remind myself of how the story starts. Like <laughs> my, my computer's my internet's is not. Well, very she was kid. Right she was uh, Peach was kidnapped by the uh, secret society of the X Knots or something like that, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. There's there's evil aliens. Um, in this one. They're looking for some uh, crystal stars, I believe. Yep, something like that. <laughs> and then I remember I know, Peach... Well, it starts It starts with, like, Mario... Oh, you've played it too? Phil? I played, like, the first uh, few hours or so. So I remember her uh, using a computer to to write, uh, write to Mario. Right, right, right. It's all coming back to me. <laughs> yes, that, in fact, Paper Mario involves uh, a few playable scenes with, with Peach... As as well. There we go. Yeah, the first one as well as uh, the second. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. So, who would like to tell us more about the story? There we. Okay. So I know it starts starts with with Mario and Luigi in in their house, and then they get the message from. Uh, oh right. Peach doesn't so, get kidnapped right at the beginning of this one, does she? Is it just me, or is this podcast going to be more girls than guys? Uh, most of us who have played these games are happen to be female because sweet, uh, sweet victory. Because uh, Adrian's working early tomorrow and he had to go to bed. Oh, 
Look, Anna, tonight, I thought he worked tonight. If you novelty, then you can go find somebody else to be on here who happens to be male. I, if you can't handle it, I... No way. Taco <laughs> factory here. Screw you guys. Should go put my fish taco boxers on. <laughs> no, you guys, you, I actually have uh, t- boxes on them that fish are swimming between tacos. <laughs> They're my fish taco boxers. All righty. <laughs> Wait, who just said yum? Jooms? <laughs> <laughs> yes. One day when you grow up, we're going to teach you some sexual euphemisms. <laughs> I wasn't going to go there. I was just going to let him remain naive. <laughs> that way. So anyway, okay, I have I have the plot, and I sort of remember a little bit about it now. We're going to watch now. Enough of your modernism. Okay. Um, so, yeah. So Mario, Paper Mario ends up going to the town of Rogueport, which is where the, which is basically the base level from which the rest of the game takes off. And um, it has it's a village that, that sort of changes and you can open more parts of it and you also use it as a main staging point to go off on your adventures and Peach has, gets kidnapped instead of being kidnapped by Bowser this time, she gets kidnapped by a bunch of aliens and ends up on an alien spaceship where she is being um Supervised by a HAL-like computer that ends up getting a crush on her, and it gets kind of creepy. Yeah. Paper Mario Thousand Year Door Review was by me. Hey, this was before I was married. (laughs) Bend, roll, fold, and roll by Anna Marie Whitehead. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Mm -hmm. I remember this was a review copy. This is, I was playing this when I started dating Ian. <laughs> Wait, Nintendo gave you a review copy? Oh, that is unusual. Yeah. yeah, it was really weird. It was a GameCube review copy that we got, and it was just completely out of the blue. Yeah, I actually got a copy of a Nintendo game lately. It, it, it happens on occasion. A Nintendo published? Yeah, uh, it was a latent game, for not for RP Gamer. No, but. I know. How'd you like uh, Last Spectre? It was good. Um, it's actually the it's ending was very late mask. We should probably stay on. Yeah, Super Mario. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and you get um, a number of party members as you go through the story. So basically, this is Mario chasing after um, these little star guys that he needs to get to open the Wachimajiggy Thousand Year Door so that he can. Uh, rescue Peach and save the world and stuff. Yeah, Paper Mario Thousand Year Door is the one where she goes shopping and gets kidnapped. Yes. But not by Bowser for a change. No. There's actually... I think Bowser he, gets cheesed because he wanted to steal her and yes. well, someone beat him to it. Yeah. And I think you get to play him every once in a while along with Peach, right? Sure, you got mm. to trailing behind uh, wherever Mario was last and then it was usually something, a very goofy scene that he was in. Yes. And, and Luigi, Luigi's also in it, but uh, Luigi doesn't actually do anything, but every once in a while you get to learn about Luigi's adventure, which is basically the same as Mario's adventure, except Luigi never does anything important. Oh, right. Um, Thousand Year Door 
Hello? Uh-oh. Somebody dropped off there. Yep. Oh, sorry. No, that was me. I leaned on my mute button. Um, this is the one that has the audience. Yes. Yeah. Yes. Mm-hmm. And they will pitch things at you. <laughs> yes. Sometimes they're helpful. Sometimes they're not. Yeah. The problem is, is that you had to actually pay attention because um, if people started throwing helpful items at you and you dodge them, they get pissed and stomp out of the audience. <laughs> You do need to dodge, like, the bombs and the shells, but people will throw, like, mushrooms and stuff at you, too. Yep. Well, should we move on to the battle system? Because I never pay that much attention to stories in Mario games, even the, in, in the RPGs. Right. The Thousand-Year Door also has stage equipment. And if you... Um, if you brawl violently enough, it will fall. Yes. So basically, the battlefield is a stage, and there's um, <laughs> audience. There's there's audience, which is full of um, toads and goombas and various other turtles and those and types of bombs. things. I remember there were yeah. fat bombs that take up two seats, and the koopas <laughs> next to them look very annoyed when they sit down. <laughs> yep. And so that's that's kind of a fun little addition into the combat system. And the better you do, the more the audience likes you, and you get better. Yeah. The more likely um, they will throw good things at you instead of bad things at you. Yes. And that's helpful. You also kind of that which you could use to use the power of the crystal stars you had on you. They were also like the the star spirits from the last game in which they had various beneficial effects or they did a ton of damage. So, you know, that was all good to try to make the audience like you, if you will. Uh Yep. And uh, the battle system was um, very similar to that in the in the Mario RPG games. I don't know, Cassandra, did it change a great deal from the the first Paper Mario game? They added a, other than the whole audience thing. They added yeah. a thing that where I forgot what the technical name was. It's like while while timing your moves, if you t- if you press a certain button or did something just right, Mario would like this fa- like would like do sort of like very flashy move or. Mm-hmm. A fancy sort of twist, and that would get even more like you know a reaction from the audience, and they'd really love that, and you'd generate even more star power from that. Again, I forgot, right, the text, right. but they added that in. Yeah, it was a little a, a little extra step to the uh, QTE battle system type thing. Well, they also the partners also slightly changed a bit in that in the first game they didn't have HP; they were basically just mm. an extra move for Mario. Oh, could get kind of knocked unconscious for a couple of turns, and if Mario died, that was it. Well, I think it's still the same in the second game. In uh, the Thousand Year Door, though, they had HP, and they were considered their like a, an actual separate um, party member. And also, you could could revive them if they ever got knocked out using a life shroom or a similar item. I don't remember. Yeah, the the other nice thing about the Thousand Year Door is that it really, I like the fact that it really pushed the idea that everything was made out of paper. Like, one of the moves that you got was literally rolling up into, like, a cardboard tube. Oh, it, or you can also turn into a paper plane and a paper boat. They, yes. yes. So what was that uh, he supposedly got, quote-unquote, cursed by these uh, evil boxes, except they weren't really, like, bad curses. They did special things. Some of them even got a little upset that, you know, your Mario's not as, uh, is not as uh, terrified of the curse as they should be. It's like, what? You can turn it to a boat now. Isn't that freaky? It's like, no, that's pretty freaking useful. Right. The only <laughs> thing I didn't like is that every time you ran into a new ability, you basically had to tra- backtrack all the way back to the beginning of the game because there was always stuff hidden, like, right near the start. 
Yeah, that is one of the weaknesses of the game is that it has a lot of backtracking. It has touch. It it, it has questionable pacing. Yes, I think most of that but was the, just rogue port. Thankfully, it wasn't at every level at this point, if it's, I can recall anyway. Yeah, well, I there remember were, some, there were, there were places you had to actually go back into the old levels. Yeah, okay. yeah I don't, particularly when you got the cardboard tube. Hmm. Yeah, it was it was. The, the the good thing about the game is it has a lot of funny dialogue, and the story can be pretty fun, and there's a lot of fun sort of um, puzzle solving, but the bad part is a lot of the backtracking, which I know has put some people completely off the game. Oh. Right, yeah. and I mean, outside of the story, there is nothing to do except for backtracking and fetch quests. It is punishingly linear. Now, I'm okay with that, because I, I don't like games that give me too many choices. I get irked very easily um but yeah and there's there's one section that really drags where mario ends up in a coliseum is that chapter two yeah no, two or three something like that yeah i basically remember like the first two or three chapters being like oh can we please get on with the game and then it hit its pace and it took off running it was really good yeah so once you get past the beginning and i didn't actually the only one that kind of dragged for me was the coliseum section um, mostly because it was, you know, Mario going through a whole bunch of fights and then a whole bunch of training and a whole bunch of fights, but not nearly as bad as the training and stuff like that in Super Paper, which we'll talk about <laughs> later. <laughs> Did you play that, Anna? Super? I've played them all. Okay, good, because um, I've only played a third of it, and <laughs> we didn't have anyone else who'd played it yet, so that's good. <laughs> hmm. Okay, cool. Well, did did... Did you all enjoy the game, or did you have fun with it? Yeah, I love I love all the Mario games. So, <laughs> particularly the Paper Mario ones. Like, there's there's going to be a, a Paper Mario 3DS, and I'm totally stoked for that. Now that yeah, I'm that, excited about that. That's just going to be a, a, is that just a re-release of the N64 with 3D no, no, effects? No. no, it's a new game. Yeah, mm-hmm. totally new. Interesting. It looks cool. There's a giant Goomba that gets built up of different papers of little Goombas and stuff in the previews, and you can see the pre- you can see a preview of it in 3D on your 3DS. Just go to the 3DS shop and you can download it for free. Cool. But yeah, I I like Thousand Year Door. Um, I had a good time with it, even though there was some yeah, backtracking think, got a little old. Yeah, I think Thousand Year Door out of the out of the f- well, I consider four, but out of the three of them is my favorite. I think it's generally considered to be the best of the th- of the three first games. Yeah, I have to agree with that. I, I mean, I, I like the I love I like the first Paper Mario a lot, and even though I've only played the Thousand Year Door once, I uh, I, I love that game very much. So, hmm. okay. It also has it has a um, a very very long um, optional dungeon that has like a hundred floors or something like that. Yeah, that's so that was a th- the thousand the, the hundred pit trial something or other. I, I know. It took me a long time to get through that stupid thing. <laughs> the end of it. I don't. I don't think I ever quite finished it. I got fairly deep. I, I finished them all. So nice. I. I, I what, Hi, what did Simon. You, what did you oh, get at the end? Uh, I'm sorry. Could you repeat the question, please? What What do you get for finishing the optional dungeon? I honestly don't remember. <laughs> so, obviously, something really, really useful. <laughs> I 
can't remember what it was. Now. I mean, it's been like six years since I beat it, so, you know. You get the pride of knowing that you finished it. Yeah. Well, then come well, up here, Simon. One of the cool things about the game was that it had, you could collect badges that, that let you do cool stuff. Yeah, Goombat was particular. That was the thing that I really liked about Goombat is that I felt like she added such a nice depth to the game because she was completely informational. Mm-hmm. It was like if I was in a zone, I could find out about the zone. If I was fighting an enemy, I could find out about the enemy. And I mean, she actually had like useful information, not just like hit points and what it was weak to, but it also things like what it dropped, whether you had the badge that they were associated with, etc., cetera, etc. Cetera. Mm-hmm. She was super handy. Yeah, she was one of the party members. Yeah. So the party the party members are pretty cool in this one. You have a Bobom, you have yeah a female yeah, Goomba. Sorry, he was uh, yeah a, like a ship captain. Um, you have a very fat ghost. Uh, her, <laughs> was her name? Oh no, wait, she's not fat. She's big boned. We <laughs> star two apparently, or was one or something. Yeah, she was like an opera singer, something like that. But it's one of those movies, though. There was also uh, another another scaredy uh, Koopa. He was scaredy Koopa, though. This time it said it's just Cooper who was. Yeah, the of- one with the bandaid over his nose. Yeah. Was his name? The coward, but he kind of he sort of gets over that during his chapters. Yeah, yeah, I like that actually. I, I I was impressed by how much depth these characters had. Yeah, for mm-hmm. all the fact that they were paper. <laughs> Uh, who else was there? Oh, you got a Yoshi that you got to name. I, I, I really wanted a Yoshi in the first game because you actually got to an island and a bunch of Yoshis, but instead of getting a Yoshi, you got a Cheech. I was disappointed. Well, that's no good. <laughs> but, like, like, yay, I got a Yoshi! And I'm a total dork. I call them Hoshi. And what else was there? Uh, oh, you had... Uh, she was kind of a secret member, but there, you got Niz Mouse, who was a, a thief mouse. And she was also a flirt, too. Yeah, she was cool. I liked her. Oh, yeah. I always liked those characters. There were fewer characters in this one. Is that it, I think? Yeah, those, yeah, those Goom, uh, Goombella. There was uh, yeah, Admiral Bobbery, Yogi, Coop. I'm reading Madame Flurry oh, yeah. here, who I vaguely remember. Yeah, Vivian, the, uh, one of the three Shadow, shadow Sisters, was it? There were like three, these three ghostly uh, characters that worked for the Exnos, although... Uh, later on, you find out that they've been basically manipulating them the whole time to resurrect their leader, the Shadow Queen, who's like the real bad guy behind all this. But anyway, one of them was Vivian, but she doesn't like she's treated badly by her two other sisters, so she defects and joins Mario's side. Yeah, I remember that now. Although I think I read in a couple of places that in Japan she was originally a boy, so <laughs> go figure that. Who knows? I can it's see Japan. That. But yes, yeah, so then there's there's the Princess Peach sections, which do, I don't remember. I don't think they ever involve any fighting. No, just uh, in a, the uh, the place and uh, finding out basically what Mario had to do next. Yeah. Game like the Peach section gave you a preview of where Mario had to go next, so I guess wouldn't get lost. Yeah, Even though we know from Super Mario RPG that Princess Peach wields a wields a wee, wields a mean frying pan. Yeah, she, yes, I don't think she ever gets a frying pan in any of the Paper Mario games, does she? I don't think so. Oh. 
I don't know. She only gets to fight in Super Smash Brothers, where I use her to demoralize oh, my enemies. She, she gets to fight in something in one of the Paper Mario's, and she uses a parasol. It oh, must right. be it's, Super Paper Mario. Yeah, it was Super Paper. I try to forget about that game. Telling <laughs> her that, I think. Yeah, that's I true. just like the fact that her and Bowser get married. Doesn't that like almost destroy the universe because of how? Yes. Well, it is or something. Yes, I, I, I haven't played that yet, but I, you know, I, I know bits of the story, and that just sounds <laughs> hilarious. Oh, speaking of Bowser, I, we mentioned before how basically he's tagged, like he's trying to catch up to Mario because he's missed that he didn't get to get that Peach. And they're always humorous ones. Like my favorite one was he goes to the village where Coops comes from, hearing a rumor that Peach was there. He goes into this house. He goes near to this house, and he sees what looks like Peach in the window, and he starts. You know, telling her to, you know, come on out and go back with him. And then a toad comes out of the house saying, you're not going to get my you know, Princess Peach poster. And then he runs back, you know, he kind of runs back in the house and takes the poster off the window. And Bowser's just like, that was a poster. And <laughs> that's mine. He says, oh, great. Now I've become the king of guys who talk to posters. <laughs> yes, Bowser's lines are great in this game. Total non sequitur. The Kindle Daily Deal is So Now You're a Zombie, a handbook for the newly undead. Freaking zombies. <laughs> Zombologist John Austin details everything you need to know as a newly undead soul to hunt, fight, and feed on the living. As the first handbook written specifically for the undead, this book explains how you ended up in this predicament, the stages of zombification, and what you need to survive in this zombophobic world. Is this from the same author as Pride and Prejudice and Zombies? I believe so. And it makes Whatever. perfect sense. I'm so over zombies. <laughs> over Abraham Lincoln Vampire Hunter? Okay. Uh, <laughs> so is there anything else we need to review? derailment we've just had here. Well, for some reason, the music didn't quite stick in my this game. Neither, none of the, uh, at least the first two, I'd ever played, I haven't played the third ones, I said. None really kind of strikes me as being like, yay. It's just, I actually had a soundtrack to the first game, but that was a, 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 a prize for subscri- subscribing to Nintendo Power. None of it, like, none of it's like really, really good. But the first one I thought was the second one, one never really stuck with me. Yeah. The the graphics on the um on this one are, are quite good um for the GameCube though. Some of the areas are really nice looking. Like I think the ghost forest I thought was really cool. Or maybe it was there was one section that had like phosphorescent mushrooms and stuff and I thought that was a really cool place. The poonies, I think they were called, those weird little gray creatures. Oh right, right, right. <laughs> um so our Super Paper Mario review has a uh, a screenshot of a bloop. And the flavor text is, Nintendo hopes to appeal to the mature gamer by mixing Princess Peach and tentacles. Nice. <laughs> I don't recognize this name. Who's Jason Schreier? Didn't work here by the time I started. Oh, uh, isn't he the guy? Right, who- it's Ishmael. Yeah, he rejoined... Just to do the Speak It in Tear Christ review a couple of years ago and then left again. I remember yeah. that. Oh, okay. Yeah, I remember that. <laughs> oh, nice. And before we get into Super Paper Mario, since you weren't here to discuss the first game, Anna, uh, let us hear your thoughts on it. 
Otherwise, it was Cassandra pretty much talking to herself for, for about the original Paper Mario. Oh wow! Um, well, some it, it it feels like going backwards now, but I played them in order, so I have to think about this. Um, I'm trying to think of the story first. So Bowser kidnaps Princess Peach, and he wishes on his star for the Star Rod, and he gets it, and he um, kicks the crap out of Mario. Right? Mm-hmm. And uh, from there, he gets picked up by a family of Goombas, one of which has a very silly hat on. And he kind of goes in there, kind of goes from there. So um, the original Paper Mario had helpers, but they weren't um, specifically in combat with their own hit point bar. So um, a lot of times they were actually used outside of battle. So, for example, you had Bombat, and you put her down and nudged her forward, and she blew up walls. And uh, you had a flying Koopa that delivered mail um, between various people. And that was, uh, that was actually really nice, because it, it added a fair amount of depth to the storyline that, that may not necessarily have been there. So I think he gets... Does he get six or eight of these helpers? He got he got seven, I think, actually, or maybe he got eight because there was there was Goombario, there was Cooper, there was uh, there was Bombat, Par- yeah, Bombat, um, Perry, Sushi, so and and uh, and, ba- and Bo, Bo, so, yeah, I think. And a, and, what yeah, was eight. the name of the Boo? Bo, Bo, right? Because she wore bows in her ectoplasm. Yeah. <laughs> whatever and um the the nice thing was is there was um not only obviously the fact that mario leveled up but there were also hidden blocks in the world and um you use those to level up your allies so when when they first start out they only have a really basic attack and um as you level them up they'll, they'll get additional powers and additional moves and they they can start to synergize nicely together. Yeah, that too, where they get the uh, special power-up blocks, even though they also have their own HP bar and are basically a second party member instead of just an extra. Right. So, yeah. I mean, it it was sort of like... The original Paper Mario sort of felt like an experimentation. So a lot of the things that were much more refined refined in Thousand Year Door and Super Paper Mario, we saw in its basis. So we had a very basic um, badge system where you didn't have a ton of variety. I think maybe you had 10 useful badges in total. And, you know, you had the helpers, but they weren't their individual characters yet. I really liked the fact that, for me... On the N64, Paper Mario looked fantastic. I mean, I found that that that, that the visuals kind of blew me away. Um, I was kind of disappointed because I felt it was a little easy. Um, the the timings had no. I guess sometimes the timings were a little tough, but honestly, for the most part, like the the timings had no significant difficulty to them. Does that make sense? 
Yeah, it wasn't that hard to pull them off. Yeah, I mean, you figured it out once and you'd never screw it up again. Yeah, pretty much. Yeah. So, they were significantly and, more difficult in Thousand Year Door, I think. Yeah, Some yeah, yeah. It got tough. tougher down the line. I mean, like I said, Paper, Paper Mario, the first one, just sort of feels like we're dipping our toes in the water and we'll fix it more next time. Which so, I mean, and that isn't to say it, it, it's a bad game by any stretch of the imagination. Um, well, you mentioned the timing. I would just wanted to ask you real fast, and maybe you can sound yeah. it. Uh, did you ever manage to get up to 99 jumps in whatever that, that final jump attack of Mario's was in Super Mario RPG? Oh, my God. No. <laughs> in SMRPG? No. Yeah. Remember, you're supposed to be able to get some super item from somebody in a town if you can get... Yeah, yeah. It was one of the, it was one of the brick guys that if you jumped often enough in the yeah, room in next door, he would give you a, an item. I think I managed to get it over 30 once after trying 40 or 50 times and got uh, something really good from him, but I was never able to get higher than that. <laughs> yeah, he gave a number of awards if you hit certain plateaus. Like, I think it was like 10, 25, and 50. And Someone back me up on this? I don't no? remember. Okay. The And the funny thing is Super Mario RPG was the uh, the RPG of the month for October, and I did not get an opportunity to play it. Which is sad, because it's not a long game at all. No, no, no. I mean, you know, it's it's one of those situations where it was just, I was crazy busy, and didn't get an opportunity. I don't know. I feel like I don't have a lot to say about Paper Mario, because everything I'd want to say is is ends with but the next game did it so much better. <laughs> yeah, that's why I've never bothered to actually play it. Well, let's just keep it in, in context as a good N64 RPG. How's that? Yeah. And you yeah, can I, get it yeah, on virtual sure. consoles. I, you can play it if you want. They're, they're really... I think starting from the original Paper Mario makes you appreciate the the... the maturation of the series between Thousand Year Door and Super Paper Mario. Hmm. Cool. I just like the fact that isn't isn't in Paper Mario Bowser picks up his whole castle and plops it down on top of Peaches and spirits it away up from under Peach's castle and it's on top of his castle. Right. But yeah, for like the last dungeon, you had to go through Bowser's castle first and then go into Peach's castle. Hmm. Cool. Cool. Any other uh, any other thoughts before uh, we talk about the speaking of progression, <laughs> the next step in the series and what it does? And you know, Phil, you haven't been telling us the price details on these. <laughs> Are you going to say isn't, that? For isn't paper Paper Mario's on the VC? Isn't it? Yeah, it right. is. I think. But you know, somebody might want to preserve those oh so fragile N sixty four boxes. So how much would a complete in good condition copy of it cost? <laughs> Boy, oh boy, the original Paper Mario. I think you're going to have to dig in deep for that one. You want that one with the box. I mean, you can get it used for about 20 to 30 bucks. I mean, 20 bucks is really on the low side. It'd probably be 25 after shipping. But um boy, I've seen uh, I've seen cartridges that go for without the box for 35, even 40 bucks. But if you want that Joker brand new shrink-wrapped from a reputable seller, uh you're looking upwards of close to 200 bucks. So that's for the that's for the N sixty four one. 
Those stupid N64 boxes just don't keep. <laughs> well, they do keep. You just got to pay a lot for them. <laughs> and somewhere, somebody was sad. Is somewhere somebody is paying? Paying, ladies. Is it is it worth two hundred dollars? <laughs> yeah, Anna, Cassandra, is this worth what Panzer Dragoon Saga costs or close? Uh, the fact that I'm silent should speak volumes. <laughs> I'll say, I, I need to insert a clip of some crickets going chirp, chirp, <laughs> chirp, chirp. And you can play it on Virtual Console. Yeah, I know. You can play it on Virtual Console for probably 10 bucks. Uh, now, you, now the next one in a series, being a GameCube title, for some reason, those didn't hold their value quite as well. Uh, Thousand Year Door, that's uh, that's going for about 15, 20 bucks used. And those generally include either the instructions or the case. If you want the thing brand new and the uh, shrink wrap, uh, usually get them for about 45 to uh, 50 bucks. Maybe you can get as low as thirty-five on a good day. So it depends on what you're looking for there. I've, I've, I just, I just bought the disc only, and I think I even got it cheaper for that when I bought it uh, for like ten bucks. So and it works really great in your Wii. That's the nice thing about the Wii. Yeah, Wii. <laughs> yeah, it's all backwards compatible. So, alrighty. Well, now speaking of that Wii, I think we're about to talk about something on it, aren't we? We are. So. Uh, Wii! We, we we move on to Super Paper Mario, also by Intelligent. Remind me of the dancing squirrel, Anna. <laughs> also, uh, uh, developed. Anyway, they gotta go. Okay. Sorry. No more wees. I'm watching you. All right. Developed by Intelligent Systems, published by Nintendo, released here in North America on April 9, 2007. Uh, this is a single player. Uh, um, <laughs> I won't call it an RPG. I won't call it a platformer. <laughs> this is a single player platform Can RPG. We call it. <laughs> Win. <laughs> Win. I like to call it the ugly bastard child of both genres, but <laughs> well, and... <laughs> no, it is. is. See, it's one of those things that you think it would be really jarring to slap these together in this fashion, but I actually felt it was. Well, think about this first. Relatively well done. Think about this for a second. I mean, your first, your you, you had you had you know Super well, whatever Mario. What was it? Uh, Mario RPG, Super Mario RPG, and and that was you know fairly standard turn-based ordeal. Then you took a little bit of a step forward with adding some more action elements with uh, with Paper Mario, and then with Thousand Year Door, you're adding in some more platforming and action elements uh, as he goes from like screen to screen and stuff. I remember having to do some you know some jumps and some maneuvers and what have you. Then you hit Super Paper Mario, and you take one more step in that direction. I think this step was was kind of larger, relatively speaking. Yeah, uh, so, I mean. Yeah. The, des- the description in front of me specifically says Super Paper Mario is a platform style console uh, RP- uh, uh, console style game with RPG elements. Uh, we won't get into that argument, but it definitely felt to me that this was a lot more platformy, and that the RPG elements more or less supported that. Yeah, and I didn't to, to, to set the record straight. My problem isn't so much with that concept, but no, there's nothing wrong with the concept. Yeah, there's nothing, and there's nothing wrong with the concept. You know, obviously. Uh, you know, it, it, yeah, it's it's a you know it's a it's a great you know there there I mean Castlevania, plenty of other games we've talked about in, in here on RPG Backtrack even are platformer games with strong RPG elements supporting them uh, that we we cover. So who wants to start off talking about uh, these advancements or the move of the the genre or not the genre but the series well, here? I think maybe the first thing we want to talk about is. Um, how it utilizes the Wiimote, because I think that's the thing that 
um, maybe stands out the most in my mind when I first picked up the game. Because you hold it sideways. Um, so you hold it horizontally between your two hands. And when you want to, f- when you're playing the 2D platformer um, portions, and then when you want to literally go 3D and flip the world, you flip the controller up and hold it vertically. Mm. And to me, that was so cool. That was awesome. Um, so basically, you need to save the world from Count Block. And uh, he, he's, uh, he's attempting to fulfill the dark prophecy. And you actually get to play as Princess Peach, Bowser, Mario, and a fourth person who, for some reason, I'm completely blanking on. It's not Luigi. Who is the fourth character? Is, is, is it, is I it, don't it, ever remember using them. I'm sure I did. Well, having a dark hair, but Toesworth? No, I don't think so. I'll, I'll have to check some screenshots. Um, so you have a hub town like you did with um, Thousand Year Door um, called Flipside. And from there you travel to um, a bunch of different worlds. Each of them yeah. have a purity heart inside of them. And of course, you need eight purity hearts to counter the dark prophecy. It's it's our good friend Luigi, by the way. Oh, thank you. Wow, how did I forget that? He really he is, is the, the forgetting brother. He, he is the other forgettable brother. <laughs> he is. So, um, what happens when your last name is your brother's first name? Also, yeah, poor guy. So you were saying. Um, yeah. You also collect pixels, and I don't remember what the pixels do precisely. Becky, do you remember? They have special... Without an E. Yeah, they have special powers that uh, help you get around the world, and I think sometimes they help you fight. So they're sort of like the partners in the first two games. Yeah, a little bit, but they're they're not a full part of the battle system. Ah. So you don't have the companions like you did in the other game. But that's probably because the fights are more sort of platformy. So, right. But they do have um, the very RPG esque status ailments, and um, all of those are tied into the Wii mode. So, for example, when you fall asleep, you need to shake the crap out of the Wii mode to wake yourself up. And if it wasn't obvious, um, I was not a fan of this game. I played it. I rented it, and I played about the first third before I, I brought it back. And my problems with it were I thought that the dialogue was a step backwards because I thought it was too long-winded and tried to be funny like in the uh, second Mario RPG and Thousand Year Door, but kind of fell flat. And I also thought that the areas were really pretty poorly designed, that they were too long and not interesting enough. So I love platformers, but I just didn't think that the platforming challenges in the game were really interesting enough. So I thought yeah, it wasn't I, enough I'm, in both worlds. I'm, I'm definitely going to agree with you on that one. Like, I liked the fact that each of the worlds were distinct, but I found that within each world, it was it was pretty monotone. Mm-hmm. Hmm. The other thing that sort of... Eh, is that a lot of the music was remixes from the other Paper Mario games... It sort of felt lazy. Yeah, there were a lot of things about it that felt a little bit lazy, and I, I felt like they could have done a lot more with it than they did. 
I wonder, did they get odd? Because if I remember correctly, this was supposed to be a GameCube game, and then the Wii was a little too close, so they figured Ed, you know, shifted onto that one. I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm pretty sure it was meant to be a GameCube game, so. <laughs> yeah, I really, yeah, I really liked the chapter where you went into the, the techie world, and you played an RPG inside of the game. And it was and like an old Wizards game where you selected your op- your options from the menu and stuff. That was very cool. I think that was a little bit later in the game. You may not have gotten to it, Becky. Yeah, I didn't. I think I, I quit right after the area with the infamous treadmill. Um, however, I did not fall for the treadmill trap. There's one area in which Mario is told he gets taken prisoner, I think, and he gets told that he has to walk on this treadmill for like a half hour in order to get through, but he doesn't actually have to. He can find another way out. But some people apparently just took the Mario's captor at their word and actually walked on the treadmill for half an hour, which yeah, you see, I didn't want to do that. So I actually ended up doing. Basically, you start talking to people around, and you can do yeah. tasks with them and get like a couple of coins. Yeah, you went having to do like. A lot of these tasks, I think seven or eight before they let before you have enough yeah. coins to buy your way out. But you but, don't actually have to walk on the treadmill the whole time like some people did. <laughs> yeah. So remember the first rule of RPGs, talk to everyone. <laughs> the other thing that kind of made me not as pleased is that again this felt like a step back in difficulty. Yeah. I sort of felt they, I felt like they'd really hit it on the nail with a good level of challenge in Thousand Year Door without completely nailing it everybody away. And in Super Paper Mario, it sort of felt like they sucked all of that timing finesse out of it. No, I mean, if you were really good, you could get like the whole stylish attacks going on. But again, they felt like the norm and not the exception. I would have liked it to be a little more harder. Mm-hmm. Now, I mean, this is coming from someone who plays like Persona games on easy. <laughs> <laughs> I don't want to come across as the expert here. I played it for a couple of levels, um, but I have to agree with the majority of what y'all say. I mean, first, first of all, of course, again, the 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 visual style of these games are striking. This game is no exception. I love the 2D look. I love the art style. It looks really great on my Plasma TV and on my Wii and stuff. So that 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 part was really cool. There was a lot of – I remember the beginning felt really slow to get started to me. I had to talk to a lot of people. Do I felt like a FedEx guy for a minute going back and forth talking to different people. When I finally got into the the gameplay, y- you know, you're holding the, the Wiimote sideways unless you need to point at the screen for whatever reason, uh, you know, to do one of the moves or whatever. But yeah, when you're running and you're doing the platforming, you kind of feel like you're in the mode of playing something like New Super Mario World, uh, but it's not nearly as challenging. Uh, so yeah, I kind of felt the same as you. They're trying to do two different things, sort of, and it didn't quite... It can be a really good marriage. I mean, we've seen plenty of, of platformer games with very strong RPG elements. Like I said, the Castlevania series is a great example. But here, it, it, it just didn't feel like it came together as well for me because it didn't even keep... Like I said, I got to about the second level. It didn't help that there was... that Their idea, I think, of two, of one of the RPG elements was to make you go and talk to people before you could go and proceed to the next, next whatever you need to get mm-hmm. to. And so I spent... Not a ton of time. I know I'm a whiner, 
but when I'm busy in life and I want to try out these cool new mechanics that they were advertising on, you know, E3 or whatever, and I'm jumping into it and I find out I got to go run around for 20 minutes and talk to until I can find the right person to talk to in order to get the story going on. So, which was See, and I I like to talk to people. Like I'm playing Xenoblade right now and doing all the side quests. Mm-hmm. But this game, the NPCs just went on and on yeah. and on and on. And it was like, shut up. Yeah, and it's not exactly Shakespeare here. You know, it's it, you know, it's cutesy Mario stuff, which is fine. But cutesy Mario's great in short bursts. It's when they go on and on and on. They're not even. I don't even think it was really primary Mario character that we're talking because it's it's a different kind no. of world. So there's no real connection. Whereas if I was talking to Peach or Toad right off at the beginning, that that might be a little bit more of a hook for me. Um, so yeah, it was a bit of a disconnect for me. At the you know a bit jarring. And then when you get when I got into it, yeah, I kind of felt a lot of the same things that you guys are feeling. And you, when you do the sideways thing, you you turn. It's a cool effect. You're turning the world on its side, and you see a whole different kind of world in a three dimensional. Uh, almost kind of feels a little puzzly sometimes and some of the things that you try to accomplish by turning the world uh with your limited time energy bar that was always fun uh, but uh, but at the same time yes at some points it felt uh, a bit barren it just didn't feel like you compare i mean it's hard not to compare it with something like new super mario world even though it's not a 100 percent pure platformer the platforming elements are strong enough to where a comparison can be made and when you play something like new super mario world where every world is jam-packed every screen <laughs> is jam-packed with new elements and and well-made design and challenging gameplay. And, and then, like you said, you kind of come here and it's, it's just not quite as well put together. I don't know if they were trying to do too much or they just didn't put enough time into that aspect of it. But with that being said, it's still, it's still a ton of fun, especially if you're looking for something that's not going to kick your butt every five minutes like Level 7 is doing right now to me in New Super Mario World. So... <laughs> <laughs> yeah, if you if you're looking for something that's a little bit more relaxed, end of the night, want to play through it without worrying about dying a whole metric ton, uh, you know, well, yeah. Except you can't really do it at in small doses. It's so oh, I know, right? Yeah. Play for a long time. Yeah, this is true. Unfortunately, yeah. you gotta talk to all those people. When when was it you were allowed to save? How does the saving work? I don't even remember. I don't remember. No, but I do remember being stuck there talking to people for a long time. And I might have just gotten to a point where I was like, dang, dang it, I just want to save the game. Just just let me stop talking to people so I can save the game. I don't remember that part, though. I just remember just talking to a lot of people to get to the get to the main uh, idea. Huh. Well, um, any other any other thoughts now that I've done my, my two-level rant? I think I've pretty much done my rant. <laughs> I know. Do, are we coming down a little too hard on this? Well, see, Adrian and Auden could have been here to defend the game because he loves it, but he decided to sleep instead, so too bad for him. Oh, I mean, don't get me wrong. I love all of the Paper Mario games. I just don't love them all equally. Yeah, I mean, agreed. This is still a, you know, this is still a good game, and, and uh, you know, I'll go back and carve out another level here or there. We'll eventually get through it. It's not a, it's not a bad game. It just, you're right, I don't think it felt as tight as, uh, as, as you know, Thousand Year Door, maybe, you know, even the... Super Mario RPG on my game, on my DS, <laughs> whatever that one that one is. I always forget the name of that one. There are two of them. Two of them. Yeah, I know. I'm not thinking about the one with the alien fungus. Isn't there three of them? Because there's the there was the original one, then there's the one where they're kids, and then there's Bowser's Inside Story. The original was on the GBA. 
Yeah. Well, the yeah, the Bean Bean Kingdom. We'll talk about those sometime in the future, though. That's another deep story one. <laughs> oh my gosh. All right. So, so in other words, Adrian's awarding this game a 5 out of 5 would not necessarily be fully agreed upon by... He our- gave it a 5? Yes, he did. Are you serious? Oh, you're get, get out of here. Now, you I would say to- like 4 to 4.5 out of 5. I'm not sure... I'm not sure I gave it completely 5 out of 5. I mean, I gave... Thousand Year Door four out of five. Uh huh. And so that would make I this re- one a three point five out of five. Yeah. If I were to go <laughs> back and review it again today, I think I actually would give it more like a four and a half out of five because I think I was too harsh on it, and I would give pa- both Paper Mario and Super Paper Mario like a four. We like four four and a half four. We've got. I give Super Paper a lower score than that, but that's me. It's interesting. We've got four official uh, reviews here. And uh, two of them are fives, and uh, one of them's a three, and one of them's a three point five. So, Adrian, as as Mr. Mickey mentioned, Adrian gave it a five, as well as Jason Schreier, uh, then a Jordan Jackson, who I've never heard of before, gave it a three out of five, and Mr. Michael Cunningham gave it a three point five. I would give it a three if I were feeling um, charitable and had actually bothered to finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so, um, uh, and he, he kind of, um, just look at Mr. Cunningham skinning that real fast, he kind of uh, mentions that, you know, it's got a lot of interesting characters and it's new style of gameplay, which which we all agree on, uh, and it's a very pretty game. Um, he says the game's not exactly challenging, <laughs> it's certainly not flawless, uh, but the dialogue is fantastic and the variety of gameplay is enjoyable. Uh, he, st- he says it's not uh, exactly an epic masterpiece, but a fun departure from the conventional RPG. And that I would agree with. I, I think that's a-, a fair assessment. But what did Adrian Den Alden say? <laughs> but, but this one doesn't have a section like Thousand Year Door did, where you just go through a gigantic dungeon and it tests your platforming skills to their utmost. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Oh, he says it's super sh- Well, Adrian does say it's it's too short. Well, maybe me I should go back and beat it if it's really short. Winding up at <laughs> 20 hours total. Well, that might be 20 very long hours, depending on how yeah, you look yeah. at it. I mean, it's pretty easy to, to dust it off in about 20 to 30 hours. As long as there are supposedly it. two 100-floor dungeons, says Adrian's review. Yeah, I didn't yeah. get that far. So. Well, just don't do the side quests and stuff. You need to stick to the main story. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah, I don't think... Yeah, yeah. I mean, if the pacing is the if the pacing is kind of and the difficulty level is, you know, sticks throughout the whole way that I experienced in the first couple of levels, I don't know if I'd want to stick through a full twenty hours, much less a couple of extra optional hundred floor dungeons. But who knows? If somebody's, if anybody's listening to, well, of course people listen. Somebody listens to this. My mother listens to this. But if someone's listening to this <laughs> and they've gone through the hundred floor dungeons. Please. Your mother really listens to this? No. Please. <laughs> oh, okay, mine doesn't. I wanted to know what the trick was. Uh, <laughs> my, my mother listened to the uh, Might and Magic podcast that my sister and I were both on, and then she emailed me, people actually listen to you for like three hours? <laughs> <laughs> uh, Mom, 
Just always bucking up your kids. Oh my <laughs> My mom's so bad. She doesn't look at any of the stuff I do on the internet. How rude. Um, anywho, if, if anybody's gone through those 100-year, whatever, 100-floor dungeons, I would love to hear about that. Shoot that shoot that off to me as an email, jcservant at rpgamer.com, and I'll read it on the air, and you might get something special from me. So I, I would love to hear what the 100-floor dungeons must be like, because, I mean, are they any more challenging than regular gameplays at 100? Because if it isn't, it's 100 floor. It's got to be 100 floors of boredom. I, I don't know. So... Yeah, definitely enlighten us and let us know, uh, you know, what those hundred floors are and how they play out. Um, any other uh, thoughts on uh, this game here, ladies? Before I go over the pricing details, I'll be getting the game fairly soon, so I guess I'll have to keep an open mind on it, considering the, you know, different differing opinions out there on this. Well, and look, thankful. I mean, at the end of the day, it it, it does range between good. To excellent, depending on who who you ask. So, I mean, I don't or, want to sound well, like it's. I, I'm you know, I think we basically have the three categories of Adrian wants to have its babies. I really enjoyed it, but <laughs> see that there are flaws. And Becky's like, meh. Yeah, I give it a giant meh. But you know, try it out and see what you think. Because for me, it was really the the I I didn't like the dialogue, which a lot of people do. So. Yeah, I'm kind of between. The dialogue is really hit and miss because some of it is is like howling, slap your thighs, and some of it's like, wow, I would have found that funny when I was six. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Um, uh, funny daddy when I was six. Maybe that's my problem. <laughs> yeah, I'm kind of in. Be- I'm kind of in between you two. If I if I was reviewed, I'd give it a three point five. That's so a better that's better than the guys who made vampires suck. Oh jeez, you can you can find this uh this little gem on your good friends at eBay and Half dot com. Uh, used, it's going for about uh, fifteen smackers. You want the thing brand new in the shrink wrap? You're looking about twenty five. So not not too expensive. All. It's been out for about four years now, almost. So yeah, pick that up today for your Nintendo Wii. So out of all three, let's wrap this up with a 60-second countdown. Um, I'm going to ask – I wanted you, you ladies to tell me which one's your favorite one and why. And we'll start with Cassandra Ramos. Uh, favorite's definitely the Thousand-Year Door. Uh, it's just – it's that, it's that real excellent hit between uh, you know RPG with uh, platforming elements. There's a lot of puzzling to figure out using Mario's partner's. And his sort of paper-based abilities, the battle system's a lot of fun. Uh, His partners are not only they're unique, and most of them have a a fairly interesting background. The story is—I mean, it's not—it's nothing all that deep or like especially noteworthy, but it's a lot better than the first one. And it's still—it's fairly amusing. Oh, the dialogue is hilarious. Nintendo's localizations tend to be pretty good, and this game is no exception. So yeah, if you're going to play any of these, definitely play the Thousand-Year Door. Uh huh. Cool. And we'll turn the podium over to Miss Anna Marie Neufeld. Definitely Thousand Year Door. Um, Top notch battle system. Great menus. Great characters. Funny story. Looks fantastic. Tons of variety. Fair enough. And I'm going to skip Mr. Miki myself because we really haven't played <laughs> these enough to really make a, an educated a judgment here. And we'll leave the last word for Miss Becky Cunningham. Well, obviously, Thousand Year Door for me, considering I played two of them and didn't like the other one. <laughs> but but I really do like Thousand Year Door quite a bit. It's I think it's a, a really fun game, um, backtracking aside. I think it has some pretty good dialogue. Not as good as the second Mario RPG, which was really sort of the pinnacle of Mario RPG dialogue, but it's my second favorite after that for dialogue. Um, 
because it's it's a lot of fun and the the characters are have a lot of personality. Um, and yeah, his his paper abilities, which we didn't talk about a ton, but his paper abilities in that one um, are are really cool and and fun for puzzle solving. Cool, cool. All righty. Well, we're gonna hold on real tight. Uh, we'll be right back after these commercial messages. up now with our final lap. That's where we talk about stuff at the end of the show. Yay! <laughs> um, so, Mr. Minky, hmm? did we have any good comments this week about our last show? Uh, it prompted a lot more discussion than some of them have. Apparently people know this Mana series and Wanted to hear us talk about it. Well, I can't imagine that. I thought, thought I thought maybe it was, it was one of those in the closet games that nobody ever heard of before. <laughs> and yet, Moenki was just disappointed that Secret of Mana wasn't on it because he made his first post almost all about that. And uh, yeah, unfortunately, Maxstorm did choose that to headline an entire episode way back when. So I linked that episode and presumably. Seventh Circle got some hate mail over his inexplicable dislike of the game. Ah. It, Wheel chimed in with, oh, the pain, the pain about this uh, Dawn of Mana thing. Apparently, Dawn of Mana has inspired no good feelings from anyone. Although, if it, although I don't think it can inspire as many bad feelings in me as Heroes of Mana did. As everyone who listened to that cast will remember, Heroes of Mana prompted me to knock it down repeatedly and leave it bleeding on the mat. <laughs> um, is that, that that first guy who posed Minky, is that like a, a doppelganger of yours or a stalker or, or what? What's up with that? Well, I have no particular affinity for lemurs as avatars. And he lives in Fort Lauderdale, which I have never visited. <laughs> um, also, he spells his name differently than I do. And uh, I, I saw some comments uh, from Ombrace and Von Beardley. Again, if you want to track down my name, I saw my name as an SS officer who executed a bunch of people during World War II. So let's not get into that. Oh, jeez. Um, so uh, to, uh, about my monologue on Freedom Force that I shamelessly begged for some a little bit of feedback there. So I would love to hear if any of you two or anybody who's played Freedom Force in the last uh, – as a as – a, well, Ombre did leave. Oh, great and awesome, Phil. I am glad you did that monologue on Freedom Force. Now I want to play it more than ever. Thanks to you, we won't miss the great gem that is this game, and you will continue to make my backlog grow ever more. I do try. Good, 
That's pretty much what we do here at RPG Backtrack. We make people's backlogs grow. And, every, and, of course, at the same time, our heads are growing bigger from those types of comments. My headset almost broke off because it's not big enough anymore. Uh, but if anyone's, if any of you two have played it, write me at jcserverntrp. What is my web address? com. So, yeah, because you might be put in a winning. I might, I might give something away, but I need people to write to me. I only give things to people who write to me. So there. And uh, Von Beardley said... And I haven't played Freedom Force in ages. Might need to put it on my machine since it's supposed to snow all day tomorrow. Might be able to knock out the first game in a day. That might be tough to knock out in a day. I, but maybe. If you don't fool around too much with the editors or anything like that, you could probably knock it down in 15 hours straight. It is fun. I don't know if it's 15 hours straight worth of fun. Anywho. Uh, so, let's check in with Miss Bunning bunny <laughs> gosh <laughs> i haven't even hit the vodka uh let's check in with becky cunningham uh is there anything you would like to pimp this week at rpg backtrack not really i'm just hanging out with the news although we do have a new halftime news halftime mmo impressions person um who goes by the handle of kirith on the site so say hi to her when you see her articles she should be writing some MMO news and also doing some impressions for us in the coming months. Coolie coolie. How about you, Miss Ramos? Uh, not much, really. I still have no idea to do a review for Luminous Arc 3 or not because I really don't know what's going on with the story other than the most basic bits. I'm liking it. I'm liking it. But, yeah. <laughs> it was... It was hard for... For me to stay in the Loomis art for the story, but then again, I'm more of a tactical person, anyways. But the the story kind of very very light, so it was cool at the beginning, though. Lum- are you talking about the first Luminous arc? Third one. Oh my bad, I'm sorry. Japanese can't I can't follow it because it's in Japanese. Oh yeah, okay. So anybody who knows the story to Luminous arc, right? What's your handle? <laughs> Strawberry eggs. Strawberry eggs at rpgamer.com. There you go. Set your address. Uh, well, strawberry uh, hyphen eggs at com. All right. There you go. Write her, and, 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 and she'll give you some good advice. There you go. You can win some good advice if you write Cassandra Ramos. All right. How about you, Miss Anna Marie Newfeld? Feel like pimping anything tonight? Um... I've talked about this with uh, with Jooms a little bit, but I've been playing Final Fantasy V. Oh, really? How you liking it? You haven't mentioned Final Fantasy V to me. I swore I did. Um, a few months back, um, Chris started playing Final Fantasy V One Job Challenge, and basically the idea is is How for is each playing? crystal. Are you playing Sorry? on uh, PS One or GBA? GBA. Okay. All I understand is that's the way to play it. Yeah. Well, basically, I didn't like Final Fantasy V initially because I was really overwhelmed by the number of choices that I had, and I wasn't putting together two party, good parties, so I was like, forget it, I quit. And basically, this challenge gives you one job per crystal. So I, I, I'm, I'm in World 2, so I have all four of my jobs. So I have White Mage, Time Mage, Beastmaster, Dragoon, and those are the only four jobs that I'm allowed playing. Cool. And I'm, I'm actually having a, a, a lot of fun playing it that way. So you having a fun time with it overall? I am. I'm really enjoying cool. it. Cool. So. That's awesome. I need. I need. Yeah. That's the. That's the. You know. That's the only one 
that I haven't I haven't really even tried yet. I needed I need to get down the brass tacks you, and get you that. Played one. three and not five. I played three but not five because three was on the DS and yeah, but five is on the DS too. But I mean, I played three first and I, I really didn't like three a whole lot. So I guess that's kind of subconsciously held me back from trying five. The other Final Fantasy five I haven't played. is Game Boy Advance and PlayStation. It's not actually yes. Yeah, close close enough. Yeah, I, I got it though. I, I do have it. So, you should do a roll, a run through like you're doing, Anna. Because when I played it, I took over seventy hours because I maxed out everyone's job levels on everything. And 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 one thing, you know, we should we should we should we should kind of do that with RPG bag. I mean, this isn't a far cry to what we normally do, anyways. But yeah, if any of you, uh, you know, have just played through a, an old game and you want to talk about that and take two to five minutes and talk about your experience playing through it, not necessarily a, a you know, we kind of do rev- we kind of look at our games as a review almost. We kind of go through all the details and stuff. But if you just want to talk about your your adventure and really get into that, uh, then we would love to have you do it here and just make a separate segment out of it. You can record it with me separately or email me the MP3. I would love to plug in some uh, some people's experiences. And and you out there listening on it, you can always do the same thing. You can record a two- to five-minute MP3 of a, a recent old game that you've played, sharing your experience, not really reviewing it, but just talking about your experience going through the game. Of course, if you mention you liked it, you don't like it, that's awesome. But the whole point is just to share your experience with people out there, kind of like one of those living library type of things. So that would be really, really cool. Um, how about you, Mr. Minky? Anything you would like to pimp? Uh, well, I just reviewed Fred Knight's The Skull of Smackdown, which, uh, was pushed on me by Sam because it's an indie RPG that needed some coverage, and I gave it that. I will say that the writing is quite amusing. I just, I have a big thing about games that throw random dice in my face for every action during combat and I particularly hate it when I just keep attacking and attacking and everybody whiffs every seeming attack because the dice don't like me. I just love it when there's a 92% chance to hit with a spell that's attacking four enemies and it misses all of them. <laughs> that sounds like when I was playing a bard in Dungeons & Dragons 2.5. Yeah, it does. <laughs> <laughs> and then, of course, along come these hobgoblin officers and they toss grenades that hit everyone in my party and they hit half of my people and I only have about 50 hit points on each person and I have been taking double damage attacks for several rounds. So, yeah, it, if you want a nice, breezy game where you don't have to think about keeping your people alive, this is not for you. Hmm. But the dialogue is pretty amusing. You get to experience what your characters would say if they did fall into a heap of minotaur dung, or if they fell into a parallel dimension where the challenger to the goblin throne happens to have a whole bunch of paper mache dragons that attack you with confetti. And they need to get through his magical sealed door by creating a paper key in a magical cauldron. Uh, yeah, it's it's quite amusing, I thought. But this being a first-person dungeon crawler, you can't just get by on the amusement. You're going to have to play the rest of the game, and it's not that much fun for me. Sorry. <laughs> so is that like negative pimpage, then? It's like the opposite of pimpage? Uh, take it as you will. Look, there are there are people who enjoy being smacked down repeatedly and being forced to... Cons- Actually, resource conservation isn't even a big part of it because this game uses endurance instead of magic points, and your endurance 
maximum goes down slowly until you go back to the inn and rest, but you can use spells infinitely. Just yeah. needing to rest every couple of turns to recharge yourself. Well, uh, speaking of getting smacked down, no, I'll save it for just a, one more minute. Uh, we're gonna, that's a nice segue to what I want to also talk about, but before I talk about, uh, RP Gamer website, um, Actually, you know, I don't have anything personal, Pimp. I'm going to go right now. Uh, my pimpage for the week is rpgamer.com. That's what it is. So, uh, I, you know, I think one of the things I want to do just really fast uh, every time we do a show is just kind of highlight a couple things that are on the site that catch my personal attention anyways. Uh, just kind of pimping our website because, uh, you know, RP game, uh, RPG Backtrack is uh, hosted by rpgamer.com, and we want you to go and check out some of the articles that our staff worked so hard to review. So so hard to write. Uh, I see a review up there for X-Men Destiny. I know that was a game I was looking forward to. And thanks to the hard efforts of Adrian Din Alden, it's a game I won't buy. So, check that out. <laughs> That's right at the top of the page as we're doing this recording. Might get bumped down a little bit. Um, DC Universe Free to Play uh, by our... Is that, is that your new MMO specialist you wrote that? Karen, Who's Karen Walsh? Yes, it is. There you go. So I know a lot of my friends are excited about this. There are a lot of them are, are actually downloading DC uh, UO this this uh, this week actually. So that's really big news for a lot of people. Uh, good thing Sam didn't make it on the show today because I'd have to tell her seriously that Serious Sam sucked. No, I'm just kidding. Serious Sam the Random Encounter, an RPG with Serious Sam label. I was surprised. I was like, what? Serious Sam an RPG? Can it be? Why, yes, it can. Uh, Serious Sam the Random Encounter was released on Steam, and uh, Mr. Alex Fuller gives his full review on the website. You'll have to go out and check for yourself what he did or didn't like about it. And last but not least, the fifth thing that caught my eye this week, since we are talking about games that love to spank you in the ass and make you scream for mercy, this one was written by our very own Becky Cunningham. Apparently, Heroes of Ruin is coming soon to my precious Nintendo 3DS. (laughs) And it looks like a dungeon crawler, which is usually synonymous with ass-kicking. And you can be a kitty cat. Well, then, how... Which which should appeal to some of our demographic. Yeah, I wonder if it's going to be another. I mean, I would love to have a dungeon crawler on my 3DS, but I wonder if it's going to be one of those ones that is really kick-ass hard or something that I can actually enjoy. I don't think it's going to be incredibly hard, at least not from what I've seen. It looks like um, a little bit more like Diablo challenge level, except for I don't think there's as many enemies on the screen at once. It's more of a sort of one-on-one attack thing, from what I've seen, anyway. Um, but I do think one of the cool things about it is that there's going to be character customization, which you don't, generally don't get with these types of dungeon crawlers. So, like, if you're playing the kitty cat character, there's a whole bunch of different fur patterns and colors that you can choose from when you make your character. That way, if you're playing a multiplayer game and, like, four people are playing the same character, you'll still be able to tell which one is yours on the screen, and that's kind of cool. Hey, you know what's really cool is is Miss Becky Cunningham's got all your angles covered. You want videos? Bam, she's got videos. You want screenshots? Bam, she's got screenshots. You want packaging? Oh my gosh, bam, it's there. So check it out. <laughs> well, hey, not just me, though. My excellent news crew, including Cassandra, who's here today, um, do a very good job of keeping all this stuff covered. There we go. I, I don't know of too many websites that are covering Heroes of Ruin, but here at RPGamer.com, we cover all those RPGs, so it's out there. Um, and did I mention... Oh, and speaking of dungeon crawlers, I guess I also did notice uh, I saw the article up there for uh, Wizardry by Mr. Nathan Schlothen, 
uh, talking about that coming to the iOS. Now, I've been playing that on my PS3, and that is an, uh, that is an old dungeon, kick your butts, you know, dungeon crawl type of thing. But the uh, the prospect of having that on my on my my iPad or something seems pretty interesting. So if you're, but I, I will warn you, that's a tough one. So that's supposed to be coming out November the third, I believe. That's what it says here. So check that out. His full article can be found at rpgamer.com. What? What the heck? Woo! All right. So, Miss Bucky, so didn't attract your interest at all. What's that? My review didn't attract any interest from you. It's right there at the top. It's right there. What well, you did, X Men Destiny? Cool. I could have swore somebody else wrote that. Uh, oh, not right at the top. I, you know, I kind of like did every other one. So you got the screaming skull. Well, you're supposed to pimp your own stuff. All right, go ahead. Pimp I it. did. He already did All pimp right. his own See? stuff. See, that's why I didn't go over it. You already pimped it. All right. Don't confuse me. No want to over pimp <laughs> things, man. Yeah. It's so easy. How could I resist? Uh, it's been a very long day for me at work, though. Don't, don't pick on me, Hammer. All right. Sure, I want to. I want to thank everybody except for Mr. Minky uh, for being on the show today. Becky, Cassandra, Anna, it is always a pleasure to have you three on board. Mr. Minky, we'll talk after the show. Um, no, this is where the fish lives. Oh my goodness gracious! To our audience, we also thank you for putting up with our antics and listening to RPG Backtrack. As always, you're the reason we do this. Hey, do us a favor. Go to iTunes, rate us. However you do that, Minky, how do you do that? Do you have to do it in your iPad or what? Do you can get it a website? How would I know anything about an iPad? I, I, I mean, to do the ratings on iTunes. Is it like a website you go to or what? Uh, I have I, no clue. I think actually you do it through your iTunes application on your computer. You can download for free. Yeah, just so you can leave us a rating. Download iTunes. All right. You're, you're asking the guy who primarily renews, reviews Genesis games about iTunes. I, <laughs> you know, just saying. It's a free application for your computer, Minky. I have an iPod, but you don't it's need an iPod. You can just four years old, and I consistently refuse to update it because stupid iTunes wants to update every couple of days. Oh, it's really. I have an iPod. It's customized. It actually says pause and has kitty ears and whiskers on oh, the back. Oh, jeez. What I I don't know if it still does it, but what I really love about iTunes, note sarcasm, is when it installs QuickTime Media Player, and then every time I open up something in Firefox that's media related, it wants to open up with QuickTime instead of using the normal player now. <sighs> Make Hulk mad. RPG Backtrack is a production of RP Gamer, your source for RPG news, impressions, reviews, articles, and home to the best gaming community on the net. Write your questions and your comments on our boards or email me at jcserver at rpgamer.com and help shape our future shows. Don't forget to follow us at twitter.com slash rpgamer. Become our biggest fans at facebook.com slash rpgamer. And as always, listen to our previous podcast, our vast library now of 56 episodes, as well as our awesome sister show, RPG Cast, which is near 200, I believe. And RPG... Yeah, 199. Yeah, woohoo! Exciting. Exciting. I might have to skip Kung Fu. Oh, you know, is that this weekend? Because I'm not going to Kung Fu this weekend, actually. They're having Black Belt reviewed, and I'm nowhere close. Um, anyways, uh, check out our sister... RPG Zinctum's there, too, somewhere. You can listen to all of that at rpgamer.com or download it off of iTunes. It doesn't matter. Mr. Miki, put us to bed. Mario didn't seem a good fit for RPGs at the beginning, but the loss of Squaresoft years ago was overcome with flying colors. The series seems to be better when it doesn't go too close to the platforming, but all of them demonstrate Nintendo's usual quality control. So if just jumping on enemies is getting a little dull, add a little more to the mix. 